Good morning, Redemption Church. My name is Stephanie. I'm a member here, and I'll be reading the passage this morning with you. We're reading from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is God's word for us today. Thank you, Seth. Uh, let's pray together now. Father God, we want to come to you asking that you would reveal to us even more the depths of riches of the gospel of Jesus Christ today. Uh, we believe, we have known, most of us, for some time that he's died for our sins, he's risen from the dead, and yet would we see in these words even a deeper, fuller picture of the glory, the beauty of what took place even those days when he was nailed to a cross, when his body bled, when, his, when the life in him left and then returned. God, would we come to see all the more how profound that message is in, in such an exclusive sort of way. Nothing ever could possibly be so profound. Help us to see how significant. Help us to live by faith in this message of what's taken place in Christ's body. And help us, God, to endure in that faith, to continue, to keep pressing on that faith in the gospel, whatever may come in life. We pray this together now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you've probably noticed this about bushes, trees, any kind of plant, but they typically don't just float away, right? They typically don't just blow or drift off in the breeze. Anytime Carrie and I do some landscaping projects, my least favorite part of the landscaping project is always digging the holes. Uh, and, and, and this is why, because without fail, almost every time this is what happens. 
Uh, we set out all the potted plants in those little black plastic pots right where we want them to be. Right? We decided we want the big one here. We want the little ones kind of staggered just like this. Let's put them right there. But almost every time what happens is I dig the holes, I put the plants in, I cover them with dirt, I step back to take the picture of just how it was supposed to look, and for some reason, it just doesn't look right. <laughs> Something's off. This one's a couple inches back or something like this. This is why I just don't like to dig the holes. If, if you're even just two to three inches off, it can mess up the whole arrangement if you're kind of a strange and particular person like me especially. Uh, and once that plant is in the ground and it's covered with dirt, it is not easy to dig it up again without making a mess or, or even without ruining or killing the plant because the entire goal of planting a plant is to root it in the ground. You want those roots to sink themselves deep and firm into the dirt so that that plant doesn't move. This is the whole point. So far in Colossians, Paul has spent a lot of time looking back with this church on their experience of conversion. If you look with me at chapter 1, verse 5, we look back there, he reminded them that they had already heard of the gospel that they needed to keep hoping. And he said, of this hope you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. They'd already heard it. If you look with me also at chapter uh, 1, verse 23, he told them that all of the blessings of reconciliation he had just been describing before that, all of them would be theirs if indeed, he says, you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard back then in the past. And so far, he has been looking backwards with this church to the days when they first heard the gospel. And, and he has also, we've seen, uh, been reflecting on the cosmic eternal significance of who Christ is and what it means to be his church. But here, for the first time, Paul gives this church a command. He tells them in particular, for the first time, to do something. And in particular, he tells them in verse 6, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord back then, he says, so walk in him right now rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. He says, just as you were taught, then abounding in thanksgiving, now. In other words, he's saying, remember when God revealed the mystery of the gospel to you at first and it changed everything in your life. Do you remember that? He's saying, in the same way, now dig a hole and plant yourself in Christ so that you can't be moved. It's the whole point. You don't want to move. You want to be rooted, established. And then Paul spends about half of this message answering a very important question, which I think anyone reading this would have, which is, why? It's kind of intimidating to root yourself in a message or a man like this, uh, because once you do, again, once you root yourself in this, you're kind of stuck. It's not easy to pick up and move on to something else. You're kind of kind of throwing away your options. And so what we want to consider today as we look at this passage is why is it so important for us to stay rooted in Christ? Why is that so important? And what does that even mean, by the way, to be rooted in Christ? How, how do we do that? Well, Paul's going to tell us 
in particular, he's going to tell us, do this, not this, for this reason. I love Paul. He's, kinda, he's pretty clear in those ways. Do this, not this, for this reason. And first, in part one, we're going to see, he tells us, do this, and that is, stay rooted in Christ. One commentator calls verses six and seven here the heart of Colossians. In other words, if you really wanted to sum up the heart of Paul's instruction to this church, what does he want them to do? This scholar would say, at least, this is it. He is encouraging them to stay rooted in Christ, to be established in him. In other words, Paul wants this church to stay put. Don't move. Don't shift. Don't go drifting away in the breeze. Sit still. Stay rooted. Be established. Now, interestingly, he does tell them to walk in Christ, but we've seen already this phrase to walk doesn't actually mean to, to, to shift or go somewhere. It's just a description of the spiritual quality of all our entire lives. Basically, the direction our lives are being lived in a spiritual sense. But more importantly, I want you to notice he doesn't just tell them to walk. He tells them to walk in Christ, and this is the point. He is calling them to live all of life in one man, never shifting from the hope they have in this one man. I want you to notice that all of the words that Paul uses to describe then what it means to walk in Christ actually don't have anything to do with moving around at all. They have to do with staying put and not going anywhere. He says, so walk in Christ, rooted and built up and established in the faith. Our neighbor across the street, Jan, uh, went on about a two-week vacation to Italy, and while she was gone, the contractors were supposed to build a garage for her. Uh, the new concrete foundation had been laid, and we were just supposed to keep an eye on it, make sure everything was going well. Uh, and sure enough, a couple days into that two-week vacation, they came by, the contractors, and they dropped off all the materials, the wood, the siding, the finishings, the fixtures, everything. And they just kind of sat there on her driveway. And then it sat there on her driveway uh, for about a week or more while she was gone. And we started to get a little nervous for her. Um, and, and so at least in theory, for that week and a half while those materials, her garage was sitting there on her driveway, it would not have been hard, again, at least in theory, for someone to come by and to take it captive. Just put it on a truck and go, right? But once they build this garage up, once they take those materials and they establish them on the concrete foundation that is there, it won't be very easy to steal that garage anymore, right? Uh, that garage is going to stay put. And this is what Paul is saying here. He's saying, you have the raw materials and you have the foundation you need, friends. You have Christ. Now he's saying, build the garage. Don't be distracted don't go looking for some other materials to build with. Certainly not some other foundation to build it on. Walk, he says, in him, rooted and built up, established in this one man. So to stay rooted in Christ means to stay established. I want you to see in the faith, abounding in thanksgiving. This is an act of faith. This is a question of Faith. In other words, uh, if you were to ask, well, what do I need to do to stay rooted in Christ? How do I start building this garage? I want to get this thing started. What do I do? Well, at least in one sense, at least the answer is nothing. <laughs> in a way, the answer is stop moving. 
Uh, don't let your life drift or shift from him, period. It means stop walking in our own flesh and to start walking in him. This is not something we can just do by living our lives in certain ways or doing certain things. This speaks to the inner spiritual reality of our lives, how we do and how we go about and why we go about everything it is that we do. As Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Now remember, this is the mystery Paul just told us of last week. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he continues in Galatians, he says, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So in other words, we, uh, we do nothing in ourselves is the answer. Uh, we, we do everything. We walk in all of life by faith in Christ. On the other hand, I want you to see that this does cost us everything to be rooted in Christ in this way. It means, in a sense, our being crucified with him. It's as if our life in the flesh as the people we were before him are done. And everything now is about him. So to stay, stay rooted in Christ means, first and foremost, to live all of life as if Jesus actually rose from the dead. And had he not risen from the dead, then we would still be spiritually dead ourselves. To stay rooted in Christ means to die. It's to come to the end of our life in the flesh. Paul says to put off our life in our body of flesh, he says here. And to build an entire new life on the foundation of this message. This message right here, church, that the fullness of God dwells in this one man's body of flesh. And that body of his was nailed to a cross. That body of his was raised from the dead. That body of his ascended into heaven. And that body of his is the only hope we have of everlasting glory. Had that body of his not been raised, had that body of his not been found today even, seated in heaven, ruling and reigning, we would not be spiritually alive. But because we have faith, because we live by faith that his body was raised. Instead, as Paul says, we abound in thanksgiving because of the hope that is laid up for us in heaven. And that, what is that hope? It is his body which rose and ascended there. So Paul is saying, here's what you need to do. Build your garage on that. Plant your tree in that. Root yourself, your entire life, all of it, by faith in the resurrected reality of the body of Jesus Christ. Next, he tells us what not to do. He says, do this, stay rooted in Christ. And next, not this, don't be taken captive. Look with me at verse 8. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not, he says, according to Christ. I just want to say briefly, we're going to spend a lot more time talking about what these elemental spirits probably were and what they mean for us today. That's the whole point of next week's passage. Today, though, I want you to notice something here, a contrast that to be rooted and established in Christ, as we just saw, means to stay put, not going anywhere, right? To be taken captive is the exact opposite of that. 
Uh, to be taken captive means to be moved somewhere you don't want to go, right? It means to be transported against your will, often to an unsafe place. It's to be stolen away. Paul is warning this church not to let that happen. In particular, I want you to notice, though, how it could happen. Uh, we could be taken captive in this way, he says, by philosophy and empty deceit, which, which could be any kind of worldly philosophy uh, that tries to make sense of our lives, tries to provide us with a deeper, more ultimate sense of meaning in life. Colossae, the city, was known as sort of a breeding grounds for many different religions and philosophies. So Paul is saying, listen, don't be taken captive by any of those. They're empty. They're deceptive. Uh, don't let those spiritual philosophies seep in, start to influence you, because they are, he says here, according to human tradition. I want you to notice for the first chapter and a half of this book, Paul has been reveling in the all-encompassing mysteries of God, right? His plan once and for all to reconcile all things to himself in Christ. God is clearly the central character of Paul's message. He is doing all of this, not just people. God has qualified us to share in an inheritance. He has delivered us out of darkness. He reveals the mystery of the gospel to his saints. He has made us alive. His son has risen to be preeminent over all things which were made by him, through him, and for him. He is preeminent over all of it. Now, by contrast, these other philosophies he's talking about were just human traditions. They're not like the gloriously implausible mystery of the gospel at all. They're not even close. They're not even in the same category Ordinary humans just made these things up to try and make sense of their spiritual lives. Next, they are according to elemental spirits of the world. Now, this part's really interesting. Uh, that word elemental is kind of a, an uncommon word. Scholars have a hard time interpreting it uh, with, with a great degree of clarity. Certainly, Paul is trying to say it seems clear that these spirits are lesser than Christ. That's pretty clear. Uh, for that reason, the NASB chose to translate that word as elementary, like an elementary school, for instance. It means, as in, it's, they're, they're juvenile, they're sort of basic. You go to elementary school, they're, they're not doing calculus there, right? It's just, they're not on the same level. Chances are, though, the word seems like it's actually referring to what we would even just call the elements, the, the, the material stuff that the world is made of. I want you to remember what Paul has said in previous weeks. All things, right? In other words, all the material stuff that exists in this world, all of it was created by Jesus, through Jesus, and for Jesus. And so Paul is saying that cannot be said of any of these other empty philosophies. I want you to notice, though, according to Paul, they are still spiritual, even though they are according to the elemental Spirits, they are elemental spirits. They're made of the material stuff of the world, food even, uh, religious rituals that we do with our bodies. But he is saying they are spiritual because in, the, in Paul's worldview, frankly, in all of the Bible, the spiritual world is always at work in the physical world. Paul realizes that in a physical world that was created by God to put the glory of his son on display, nothing can possibly be just spiritually neutral. That's not even a possibility. Everything is spiritual in one way or another. Every philosophy, every message, every religious tradition, 
of men. They're all spiritual. The key is they're not all according to Christ. And it's a problem. Because remember, he is the purpose and point of all of them. So they are contrary to their purpose. These other philosophies have the potential to take us captive, to lead us away from Christ if we believe in them and try to live by them. And so this is what Paul says to not do. He says, do this, stay rooted in Christ, this message of his bodily resurrection, not this, don't be taken captive into thinking that something else in the material world could be preeminent like he is. And next he tells us why. Now this is incredible. (laughs) This has kind of been blowing my mind all week. He tells us, why is it so important for us to stay rooted in Christ? He says, for this reason, and it's, it's wild, but we have been filled in him. We have been filled in Christ. Look with me at verse nine. Paul says, for in him, in Christ, he says, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head and rule of all, who is the head of all rule and authority. The first thing I want you to notice is, we've seen this last couple weeks, here he is, Paul, talking about Jesus' body again. It's the third week in a row it's come up. And I think this gives us a glimpse into what he really means in a spiritual sense, a bit more specifically, by all this talk about being and walking and being filled in him. What does that mean? Notice he starts by telling us what Jesus is filled with. He is, his literal body, he says, is filled with the whole fullness of deity. This is the incredible age-old mystery of the incarnation. This means that this man, in his body, literally embodies God. Not just part of God, all of God, the whole fullness of his deity. In other words, if you want to see what God is like, you do not need to see anything else. You simply need to behold the body of Christ. The whole fullness of deity dwells in that. And again, not just in theory. It doesn't dwell in the idea of Christ. Because he's not just a theory. (laughs) He's not just an idea. He is a literal embodied man still to this day. And the fullness of deity dwells in him bodily. But here's the real kicker. He says, you, writing to the members of this church, you have been filled in him. What does that mean? What what does that mean? What does it mean to be filled in Christ, in whose body the whole fullness of deity dwells? Well, at first, some of you may want to take out a pencil and kind of erase that word in and replace it with the word with. That must be what he meant, right? You have been filled with him. He just said the mystery of the gospel is Christ in you, right? That's not what Paul means. I am convinced Paul is referring to this mysterious connection between Christ's literal body, which is in heaven, and Christ's body here on earth, which is the church. We have been filled with the fullness of God by being included in him, that is, in his body, which is somehow mysteriously where the fullness of God dwells. Anytime Paul talks about the body of Christ here in the rest of our passage, it's really hard to tell almost if he's talking about Jesus' literal resurrected body 
or his body here on earth, the church. In fact, from this point on, it seems like the whole point of the passage is that he's trying to conflate the two. He's making the same point over and over again. As it goes with Jesus' body, so it goes with Jesus' church. For example, look with me at verse 12. He says, we, this church, have been buried with him. How? He says, in our baptism, which is really interesting. Because what is baptism? It's a profession of our faith in his resurrected body. And it is a rite of welcome. It's a rite of initiation, if you will, into his body, the church. In other words, when his literal body was buried, it's as if we, the members of his baptized church, were buried. And we, in our baptism, he says, the church, we were also raised. When his body rose, it's as if those who would go on to trust in him and be baptized into his body, the church, they rose too. We all rose with him. And this is the point. Our baptism is meant to be a picture of this spiritual transformation. Now, not just the physical act of baptism. He even says it's by faith in the powerful working of God that this happens. But our baptism, it represents that faith that we have in his body, and it also welcomes us into his body. Do you see this? Uh, As an aside, I just want to point out, how optional does baptism seem to Paul in this passage? He's writing to a church. He's assuming that everyone who's reading it has been baptized, and you can see why. It's because of this mysterious connection even between the the body of Christ in heaven and the body of Christ on earth. No, listen, oh, it gets better. We were also nailed to his cross. Look with me at verse 13. He says, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. How did he do this? This he set aside. How? Nailing it to his cross. Well, what was actually nailed to his cross? His body. But which one? His literal body or his body here on earth? And the answer is exactly. Exactly. This is the incredible thing. This is the, it's kind of both, right? This is Paul's point. Now, I, I'm saving this one for the end. I'd love to talk for about 20 minutes here about what Paul has to say about circumcision. But nativity would not like that. Neither would you. Uh, it's too long. I don't have that kind of time. Uh, but suffice to say, uh, circumcision was the sign of God's Old Testament covenant people. Circumcision was the way that God distinguished his people from the fallen nations of the world. In other words, the Gentiles. And the point here is that for Gentile Christians, it's as if they are circumcised now. They are a part of God's covenant people, even if they're not actually circumcised. Well, how is that? Well, again, he says it's it's by their baptism. Baptism is now this new mark of of God's covenant people, but he's saying much more than that. There is a connection between the body-cutting practice of circumcision and our baptism into Christ's body, and that is because they are baptized into Christ's body, it's as if his circumcision now counts for them. He, they are counted as covenant people. Why? Because they are in Christ. This is the theme we see throughout this entire section. As it goes with Christ's body in heaven, so it goes with Christ's body on earth. When his literal body died, it's as if 
we died. When he literally rose, it's as if we rose. Since his literal body was circumcised even, it's as if these Gentiles who were not circumcised were circumcised. Why? It's because his literal body was nailed to a cross. And when it was, so was the record of our sin, church. This is us. We are that body. This is why we need to stay rooted in Christ. This is our big idea for today. It's because we have been filled with the fullness of God in the body of Christ. It's incredible. It's, it's, it's remarkable. It, it, I have to admit it's mysterious even what Paul is saying. It's wild. But to drift, to shift, to, to run away from that body, the faith that we have in his body, body on earth even, is, is to run, to drift from the fullness of God cannot be found anywhere else. All of it dwells in his body. Everything else in the material world was created by him, through him, and for him. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found where? In his resurrected body. If we want to be presented to God mature, we need to be presented how? In him, in his resurrected body. If we want to be reconciled to God and his creation, God is doing that in his resurrected body, and we those who are filled and live by faith in his body have now become his body. In a, in a wild, spiritual, mysterious way, we have been filled in him. Church, this is why it is so important for us to stay rooted in Christ, not to drift, because we've been filled with the fullness of God in his body. Again, this is deep, it's profound, uh, it's sort of shrouded in mystery. I told you it's kind of been blowing my mind all week, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but to apply this, I just want to take some simple, practical applications away from this. Uh, according to Paul, let's just consider, how do we stay rooted in Christ? How do we do that? First, we do it uh, by, we, this is how we do it, rather. We keep living by faith in his body. And here I mean his body in heaven the literal body that rose from the dead. I want to confess something this week, actually. I actually got something wrong last week. That does happen. I want to be really honest when it does. Uh, I mistook the word delude last week for the word dilute. I'm seeing some thumbs up. Um, your soon-to-be elder and our resident pathologist, Carl uh, Durnell, was happy to inform me what it means to dilute something. Um, when we are distracted by plausible arguments or empty philosophies, they absolutely do dilute us in that they make us, our faith, less potent. That's not what Paul meant. That's not what he meant by that word, though. Uh, the word Paul uses is actually a bit stronger than that. Uh, we don't typically use this word delude as a verb. We often do use it as a noun. We talk about someone having a delusion. Uh, in other words, when we're taken captive by these empty philosophies, these plausible arguments uh, that distract us from the gospel... They don't just make our faith less potent. They give us the delusion that we or someone or something else could be preeminent rather than Christ, the one who rose. So to live by faith in Christ's body then means that we let the reality of his resurrection become the controlling force of all of our lives rather than living by the delusion that something else should. As a pastor, uh, this has become more and more practical for me over the last year and a half. I'm starting to realize a bit more intuitively, uh, oh, wait a minute, need to have faith right now. 
in this trying season. Uh, when I start to get emails that a number of our members have gotten COVID-19 this week and the PTSD from last year starts to come back, I need to live by faith here. Uh, when the fact that we don't own a building and it puts certain limitations and strains on, on our church, and particularly our families with young kids where we have limited space to accommodate them, I need to walk by faith. I need to keep living by faith. Anytime I'm tempted to wish that I was preeminent so that I could just fix this, by God's grace, I think he's maturing me slowly but surely, causing me to stop and see. The answer is not to try and live in my flesh and fix that. The answer is to live by faith in his resurrected body. I don't need to go look for some other solution to these problems. He is the solution to them. And if I'm tempted to think that I can be or anything else, I am living by a delusion. And so what about you? What tempts you to believe the delusion that you or something or someone else could be preeminent rather than this Christ, the one who rose? When the country you love starts to change in deeply concerning ways, uh, when it dawns on you that some people you've always loved may actually hate you and, and even distance themselves from you because of what you believe about Jesus. Uh, when the future you always dreamt of having and thought for sure that you would have in just a matter of time, when that starts to feel more like a figment of your younger imagination. To live by faith means this. It means when we are there, when we are wishing that we could be preeminent or something else, it means don't start living by that delusion. Don't start walking in your flesh again. Your flesh has died. You've been made alive in Christ. Don't go searching for some other hope here in the material world. We have to remember, church, our hope is not in the material world. At least not anymore it's not. He's laid up for us in heaven. Our hope is the literal resurrected body of Christ. Uh, no matter what may come, let's continue. Let's keep living by faith in his body. Uh, whatever else it is you may be afraid of, whatever else you, we are tempted to trust in, no matter who tries to persuade or convince us that something else is preeminent, even if their arguments seem plausible, let's keep trusting that no, these things are not preeminent. Those things are all made by him, through him, and for the one who rose for us, this resurrected man, and he rose again in the flesh to be preeminent over all of it. And he is. Not only that, but we have been filled with his fullness by faith in his resurrected body. We don't need to fear death anymore because we were crucified 2,000 years ago and we've lived to tell the tale. Uh, we don't need to fear our sins anymore because all of them, past, present, and future, were nailed to a cross outside of Jerusalem long ago. We don't need to worry about government powers and dark spiritual forces in the material world. Why? Because God has disarmed all of them. He's put all of them to open shame. He has triumphed over them. How has he done it? In the resurrected body of his son, Jesus Christ. That's the gospel, church, that we believed back then. That's the gospel that's redeemed us, saved us back then. Now Paul is telling us we need to keep walking by faith in him. As we received him, now we need to walk in him rooted 
built up and established in the faith. This is what it means to stay rooted in Christ is to keep living by faith in his body. Next, it also means this, to keep living by faith in his body. But it wasn't that, the, that was the first point. That, it, it was kind of the first point too. Um, but here I mean his body on earth, the church. I guess I could also say, is to, is to call this living by faith with his body or as a member of his body, but I wanted it to be sufficiently confusing and shrouded in mystery, kind of like it is here in the book of Colossians. Body parts cannot walk. Even legs and feet, which we use to walk, cannot walk in and of themselves. Bodies walk. And if we want to walk in Christ, uh, we are going to need the rest of his body to do it. Because Jesus is, again, not just some disembodied idea. You can't walk in a disembodied idea. He is a real man with a literal resurrected body. All the fullness of God still to this day dwells in that body. And we, church, by faith, have been filled with the fullness of God in his body. Ephesians uh, chapter 1, Paul, same author, says it this way. He says, and God put all things under Jesus' feet. And gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body. Listen to how Paul describes his body here. It's the fullness of him who fills all in all. We saw this last week in our big idea that God is reconciling all things in Christ. How? By maturing us in Christ, in his body. Here's what this means. It means that part of staying rooted in Christ is staying rooted in his body, that is, the church. So maybe you joined Redemption Church a year or two ago. Uh, maybe you were baptized here with us. Uh, or maybe you were even part of our launch team when we had just 10 friends, a handful of us, and we were just wondering what God would do. And back then, maybe, you were filled with excitement and enthusiasm because you were newly convinced that this ministry we were undertaking had cosmic spiritual significance. But listen, the truth is a lot has happened since then. A lot has happened. We went through a pandemic, it's still lingering on. We came back wearing masks, all of us for a while, limiting the attendance of our services even. Meanwhile, the church kept growing. It feels very different. You don't know everyone in the same way. Maybe your roles in ministry aren't as fresh or exciting. They've kind of proven to be more challenging. Uh, maybe you have a, a baby now or another baby now, which makes everything more complicated. Uh, and you've, you've gotten to know me and everybody else a little bit better, and we've proven to be uh, not quite as impressive as maybe you thought that we were. Uh, and on top of all that, we have now a live stream, and so there is always that option. And slowly but surely, maybe you can feel yourself drifting from the body. I just want to say, if, if that's true of you, I, I really want to know that. Not, you're not in trouble. Uh, we love you, and we don't want that. And ultimately, it's because I'm convinced that God is saying loud and clear to us in the pages of Colossians, here, don't drift. Stay rooted. Keep walking by faith in his son and with his son's body. Part of staying rooted in Christ is staying committed to one another in the body of Christ. It means not being taken captive or stolen away from the body by these empty philosophies and plausible arguments of which there are many. 
means, as Paul's said in this letter already, it means being knit together by the Spirit in our love for all the saints. That's why he's been talking about that. But listen, don't just stay rooted here in your flesh, in your body, showing up in your flesh on a Sunday uh, because you feel like, yeah, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. Um, don't, don't just do it because I'm saying you should do it in a sermon. Do it because the one true and living God has inspired these words for us. Do it because this is a word from God for you today. Do it because Jesus rose again and ascended into heaven to be the head of a body. And that's what we're after here, to live together by faith as that body. Do it because you can't truly walk in him as he intended apart from the rest of his body. Church, as we received Christ back then, let's keep walking together in his body today. Let's not let any empty philosophies tear us apart. Let's not let any merely human traditions get between us. Let's not let anything in this material world even delude us or steal us away. Let's stay put. Let's be established. Let's stay rooted in his body as his body because that is where the fullness of God dwells and we have been filled with that fullness in him. Let's pray together. God, we come to you now and ask that you would uh, use these words again to shape us, give us a new profound sense of clarity and purpose and vision for what our life now in the flesh is. It certainly isn't even just the life in the flesh, but it is in a way a chance for us to be and to live as your body by faith in your resurrected body. Would you, God, empower us to live, to press on together in faith? Would you empower us to cling to the reality of your resurrection above and beyond all else? And would you be glorified in all things here in your body? We pray these things together now in Jesus' name, amen.